Another thing I would like to look at today is when God has opened our eyes to truth, we know without a doubt that the Bible is the Word of God. God people knows that, that the Bible is absolutely true. The Bible is the Word of God. It's only a pity that man, the world, doesn't recognize that, that the Bible is from the very mouth of Almighty God. How great that is. But, you know, when you look at the world, mankind has written volumes and volumes and volumes of books of all sorts, all topics, all things you could imagine. And none of it can ever come close to God's Word, the Bible. If you go into local libraries or the local bookstores, you just look around. You see topics and, and books of all sorts of things. And yet, not one of those books could hold a candle to God's Word, the Bible, because God has written this awesome book. God wrote it. Let's imagine, God wrote the Bible and He's given it to us. The Bible is a law book. It is the Word of Almighty God. And it has, so, it has so many things in it that we could spend so many different lifetimes studying the Bible and we can never plumb the depth of the riches of the Word of God. And as God's people study the Bible, uh, we delight in it because it's God who is speaking to His people. And because God has given us a new heart, that's what we delight in studying and reading about and just delighting in it. We just feed on the Word of God all day long. And that is the what God has placed within the heart of God's people, that desire to feed on, the God, on God's Word, the Bible. We can't take any credit for it because before God saved us, we have a spiritually dead heart. And we delight in things of this life and, and uh, to no avail. Because the end result of these things are death. I want to look at a little bit at this today, where God, how God, how wonderful the Bible is. And you know, the last sad thing is that even in the churches, there are many who don't trust the Bible. During the church age, I remember speaking to a few people about about this issue, and they say, "Well, God wrote the Bible, but." There are mistakes in it, and and there are other books there that they say is inspired, but it's not so. God has protected His Word throughout time. He's protected it. I, I asked this one guy, you believe God created the world, why do you think He can't protect His His Word, the Bible, throughout the centuries of time? God is Almighty, and He could do that. And this, this is this wonderful book we have in our hands today, which is written by Almighty God. And uh, we can't say enough enough about it, about the Bible. We can't say enough about it. It is a wonderful, awesome book. And and now we're living in a day now where scriptures that were hard to be understood in time past. Now he has opened the hearts of God's people to it. And you see everything fits. Everything fits like a glove. Everything fits because it's God's timing for us to know in particular about timing of the end, salvation, and these wonderful things he has taught us from the Bible. But when you look at Isaiah 46, let's read a passage from Isaiah 46. Start reading in verse 9. It says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. There's only one God, and there's none else. I am God, and there's none like me. You know, there's other parts of the Bible, God talks about all the gods of the world are idols. But there is only one Jehovah. There is none like 
the God that we serve. Man has made a God of idols and whatever idol he has set up in his heart, and he bows down to it. But there is none like the God of the Bible. There's none like Jehovah. Because he spoke and he created all these things that we see and can't see. He has created it. The heavens declare the glory of God. You look out in, in space, you look on earth, you look under the water. God created and everything is, is in detail. He, he created everything beautiful. And he goes on in verse 10. He says, declaring the end from the beginning. Only the God who wrote this Bible who can declare the end from the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he's the one who will end it. He says he's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. And it says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not and yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will declare all my pleasures. This is the God that his people serves. He declares the end from the beginning and there is none like him. And he is the one who has written this awesome book, the Bible. God did. God did. Uh, and we see things that are being fulfilled right in front of our eyes in, in our day. Things that were, were written in the Bible from he wrote it. And now we see these things are fulfilling in our day. You see, and how wonderful. And God, God is the only one who could declare these things. He says things thousands of years ago when he wrote the Bible, and now it's coming to pass in our day. No other God or book or man can do that. He's the, he's the beginning and the ending. He knows all things. There's nothing that catches him by surprise. God is in perfect control of all things. Nothing is out of whack. We see sin multiply in our day. We see this past couple of days. God is in control of it. We shouldn't be alarmed or afraid or two nations going up against each other or whatever. God is in control of all things and we trust in that. God's people rest in Him. We don't have to be worried or troubled about anything. God is in perfect control of all things. The things that we know, he, He's in control of it. When He wants us to let us know, He reveal it from the Bible. That's the God that we serve. And uh, turn over to the book of Job. Job chapter 11. Tells us a little bit more about himself. Job chapter 11, verse um, 7. It's a very familiar passage. Canst thou by searching find out God? No one. We can't find him out. God is from everlasting to everlasting. And we, when we start speaking about everlasting, we can't talk about time. God, he has no beginning. And we can't understand that. And he has no ending. We can't search him out. It says, Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty? These are questions he is asking us. Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? Of course not. We can't, we can't find him out. It is as high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell. What canst thou know? The measure thereof is larger than the earth and broader than the sea. And God goes on. We can't, we can't search him out. We can't find him out. Don't, don't even begin to try. 
And this is the God that has written and given us the Bible. Who are we? We're nothing but dust. You know, who are we? You know, we ought to know our place when we speak about Almighty God, that we're nothing. You know, what was he doing in eternity past? We don't know. We don't know. And there's eternity lies ahead. You know, it's, it, we, we don't know. And, it, and look at another passage in Colossians. In Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse... He tells us a little bit more about himself here, but let's start at verse 1. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. For I would that you know what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, be knit together in, in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wow. In Christ. And he's the one who has wrote this book, this in its infinite wisdom. He has wrote the Bible and he's given it to us. And his people, as he move in the hearts of his people, they will search it out. As he has, he's, he's, he's commanded us to search it out. God's people will search out uh, the Bible because we know without a doubt, we know that the Bible is God's word. And what he says in the Bible, he will do it. It's impossible for God to lie to us. So when he tells us that this world will end, he's going he's to complete our salvation, all these promises he has promised us, whether we're alive at his return on that last day or we have died, it makes no difference because God says nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Do you believe that? That nothing will separate us from the love of God. The true believers, nothing. Nothing in this life or whatever it is will ever, if you died in a plane crash and your body will never find you're a true believer, that won't stop him. No matter what the situation is, nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Because we are in him, the Bible says, we're hidden in him, we're safe and secured in him, and God just goes on to tell us all these wonderful things. Look at another passage in Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. It says, here he's, he's telling us things that we can't even begin to fathom. That this is the God that wrote the Bible. He says, let's start at verse 12 in Isaiah chapter 40. He says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and, co and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balances? How could that be? He knows exactly the amount of water in all the oceans all over the world, the rivers and streams and ponds and everything he knows. You know, he is, this is the God that in his wisdom has created these things. And it says, verse 13, Who has directed the spirit of Jehovah? No one. Who has directed the spirit of the Jehovah, or being his counselor, hath taught him? With whom took he counsel 
and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. No one. God is almighty. You see, in verse 15, Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the owls as a very small thing. All the continents is just... Is, it's, an, it's nothing to him. It's an island, really. All the continents are surrounded by water. And he looks and he's telling us that to him, it's a very small thing, you know. Went to, remember when we went to the track, the last track trip, in the plane for hours, hours over this continent. And how fast is the plane traveling? Hundreds of miles an hour. It's a huge continent. And yet, when God looks at it, it's a drop in the bucket to him. He spoke and he created it. It came into existence just like that. And this is the God that wrote this awesome book, the Bible. In, in verse 16, And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beast thereof sufficient for burning. All nations before him are, are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. You wonder what's less than nothing? Oh, we don't know. It says, To whom then would he liken God, or what likeness will he compare unto him? And and God goes on to tell it, goes on. Nothing. We can't compare it to, to the Jehovah God of the Bible. There is no God like him, because he is Jehovah God of the Bible. But I want to turn over to um to um Second Timothy chapter three. We all should know this verse where God tells us it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All scriptures is given by God. There is no book like the Bible. All scripture is given by God. It's it's God breathe. It's, it, it, you say you say you could say all scripture is God breathe, and there is a giving an example. Um, you could hold here and turn over to John chapter twenty. John chapter twenty. All scripture is God breathe. Remember when he was speaking to the disciples, Christ, in John chapter twenty, and he breathed on them. Uh, John chapter 20, verse 18. John chapter 20, verse 18. Let's pick up the context. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that he had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day, that they shouldn't be there, the first of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. 
And when he had thus said this, he breathed on them. He breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So you see in an example here where Christ breathed on them. When he said the gospel, the Bible is God breathed. You know, he, he came out of them. He breathed on the, the, the Bible's written the same way. It's God breathed. He, he breathed on these men and they wrote. Not something out of their own mind or what they thought. The, the scripture is God breathed. Christ breathed on the disciples. This, this is an example of what I'm trying to say. That the scripture is God breathed. They had, they had no control over what they wrote. God did. So is, that's, that's the idea there back in Second Timothy. That the scripture is given by inspiration of God. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 21. It's, it's, it's read this way in the interlinear Bible. It says, For prophecy was not at any time born by the will of man, but having been born along by the Holy Spirit, holy men of God spoke. They were born along by God the Holy Spirit. They had nothing to do to do with it. It's God who's the one who uh, moved them to write. He's the one who was in control of the pen as they penned it. It wasn't, it wasn't the disciples. All they probably had was the scroll and the pen in hand and God was just moving them to write it. To write it. But, um, if you would, um, go back over to, to second, uh, Timothy chapter three, verse 16. God clearly tells us that all scripture is given by him. All of it. Whether, you know, it's only a pity that people go to the Bible and they, Dissect it. They believe some part of it, some some part of it. They they're skeptical about this part. That's not the way to approach the Bible. We approach the Bible as the Word of God. That's it. If you read something and we don't understand it, maybe God may give us understanding of it. But it's the Word of God. I'm pretty sure that you've read many things in the Bible that. <laughs> you don't see it. But we know that it is the Word of God. The things that He wants us to know from the Bible, God will reveal it to us. That's it. Just like in our day in which we're living. The things that He wants us to know were sealed up till our day. Now it's His time to, to show it to us from the Bible as we compare spiritual things with spiritual. And we will know these things because the timing is when He wants us to know it. I read through the book of Solomon and <laughs> I read, I just, I know it's the Bible, but you just, we read it, we trust it, that it is the Bible, and we'll leave it at that. But we can, we can pray. Well, Lord, could it be your will that you may teach me or show me things from the Bible? But in, that's, we, we leave it right there. We, we, we leave it there. Let's, let's, um, Let's continue on a little bit. But since I jump ahead and, and read First Peter chapter, Second Peter chapter one, let's go up to verse um, seventeen of Second Peter chapter one. For you received from God the Father honor, glory, when uh, there came such a voice to him from the excellent Majesty, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." And this voice, which came from heaven, we heard. Here are the disciples, they're on the mountain, and they heard the voice of God. They heard it. 
their physical ear, they heard it. And it says, when we were with him in the holy mount, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Remember the disciples that were with him for a number of years, Christ. They heard him talk. They saw him. They heard the voice from heaven. And all these things they saw and heard. You know, when you when you go to a court, they want eyewitnesses. They were eyewitnesses of Christ. You go to court, they want eyewitnesses. I was there. I saw it. What more proof do you want? You were there. And here the disciples are saying they were eyewitnesses to him. They heard the voice of, from God. But God goes on to say in verse 19, we have a, also a more sure word of prophecy. And what's that? The Bible. The Bible. They were there with Christ. They saw him. They heard him. They heard the voice from heaven. They saw the miracles he did. But yet God is saying, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you will take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day start rising your hearts. So the more sure word of prophecy is God's word, the Bible. And then there's something they were there with Christ, but God says, no, they were there. But the written word of God is absolutely true and trustworthy. It's more sure than what the disciples heard and saw, the Bible. It says, knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is given by private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. The prophets wrote the Bible. It was not their will or out of their minds. No. And says, but holy men of God spake as they were born along by the Holy Spirit. The, the, the more sure word of prophecy is this. The Bible, the written word of God, is absolutely true. We see back in the Old Testament, remember Israel saw the, all these miracles that Christ did, God did, and yet they perished in the wilderness because of unbelief. But the written word of God is absolutely true and trustworthy. There is absolutely no doubt about that in the heart of God's people. Uh, that word um, here in verse 19, sure, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, is used in part, some parts of the Bible as steadfast. You know, it's absolutely certain and sure that God's word is true. Uh, let's look at the the Greek word 949 a couple places where, where, where it is used um, uh, in verse 10 of Second Peter chapter 1 it says wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure same word there are sure in verse in verse uh, 19 of Second Peter chapter chapter 1. So that word sure in verse 10 and the one in verse 19 is the same word. It says, Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. It's that same word there, the sure. And it's used in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, I believe. Let's start reading at verse 18. At verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 6 that by two immutable things which is which it was impossible for God to lie we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us which hope we have an anchor 
you know, Christ is the anchor of our soul. The anchor is Christ, both sure and steadfast. So God's word is sure and it's steadfast. It's absolutely true. It's, it's, it's what God has declared. Remember we read early, he, de- he declared the end from the beginning. He says and he will do it. When he says the wicked will be destroyed, it's so. When door to heaven is closed, it is sure. It's absolutely sure that God's word is absolutely true. And it's, it's, used, uh, it's used that way in the Bible, steadfast and, and so forth. Uh, let's uh, go back over to Second Peter chapter chapter one, where God goes on to tell us, give us some more information. It says, known in verse nineteen, we we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed unto a light that shineth in dark place, until the day dawn and raise to arise in your hearts, knowing first that no prophecy of scripture is given by any private interpretation. I want to get down to this this phrase in verse 21 where it says, the prophecy didn't come by the will of man. Uh, you know, I, I, you've, I'm pretty sure you have heard people say who they believe wrote the Bible. It came from the mind of Paul or Jeremiah or one of these prophets. No. Remember that verse that God wrote in John chapter 1 about salvation? In John chapter 1 verse 12 Salvation is not by the will of man. We can't save ourselves. In John chapter 1 verse 12, For as many as, as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Same idea there. Salvation cannot come by a will of man. Uh, same way as the scriptures. The scriptures weren't written by the will of man. It is God who saves. And it's God who wrote the Bible. We have nothing to do with it. It came from the mind of an infinite God. You see, so the, 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 the verse there in, the, the word there in, 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 in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 21 that the prophecy, God's word didn't come by the will of man. God moved these men to write the Bible. And we could absolutely trust it. No question asked. God said, do this, you do it. If he's, if he's wrote this in the Bible, then he's given us an understanding of it. So be it. That's it. It's, that's it for the child, the child of God. He says he's the one who wrote the Bible. He's the one who saves us. That's it. And as we study the Bible, he's given us more information about it. And, and, and we... We rejoice in the fact that God has given us this this wonderful book, uh, and He give us an, another insight, another familiar passage in Jeremiah, how He wrote it, how God wrote the Bible. My point is, in these days that we're learning all these things from the Bible, the last few years about the tribulation period and God's judgment upon the church, the church ages ended, and all these things that God has has opened to us from the Bible. We could absolutely trust it that this is so. May 21 was judgment day. Well, we misunderstood the nature of it, but it is so that May 21 was judgment day. Physically, we saw nothing happen. The world has had its laughter and mockings and so forth. Oh, they had a ball. 
does it change the fact that May 21 was judgment day? No. No, we see everything is just continuing on. You know, it's normal. People are going on with their lives. Nothing changed. But has it changed the fact that the door to heaven is closed? No. That day is here. And we look at the world today. How can you not say? I've heard people say something has happened to man. I say man. He sensed something is wrong. When he look at the world out there, he sees it multiplying. But he doesn't fully, he doesn't know what it is. He, he knows something is wrong. He see that what happened this past week. You know, uh, they're, you know, they're, you see men rejoicing. It's a great day for the country. Really? You know, unsaved men, some of them, they sense something is wrong, but they don't know what it is. You know, the whole world is under judgment. You see, the whole world is under judgment. But in Jeremiah chapter, what verse is it there? Um, Jeremiah 36, I believe. We start reading in verse 1. Jeremiah 36, verse 1, we read, And it came to pass, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from Jehovah. See where the Bible came from? From Jehovah. From, from God. Jehovah saying, Jehovah saying, and so you read this very slowly, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel. Was that from the mind of Jeremiah? No. It's from the mind of Almighty God. And against Judah, and against all the nations from the day I spoke unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words that Jehovah, which he had spoken unto him upon the roll of a book. It didn't come from the mind of Jeremiah, the Bible. None of the prophets, Moses, Abraham, Peter, Paul, John, it all came from the mind of Almighty God. Remember, holy men of God wrote as they were born along by the Holy Spirit. The Bible is absolutely true and trustworthy. It is the Word of God. In verse 6 of Jeremiah 36, Therefore, go thou and read, and and read in the roll, which thou hast written from my mouth, the mouth of God, the words of Jehovah, in the ears of people, in Jehovah's house upon the uh, the, the the fasting day, and also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah, that come out of their cities, and God goes on. So you see how God has written the Bible and we should trust it without hesitation. We trust it without hesitation. When he says he, he's going to do something, God absolutely does it. It may not come to fulfillment right away, but you could rest assured that he will uh, complete the salvation of his people. He will do what he says. No question. We should never doubt the word of God. Even if we don't understand something that we read, 
it is the word of God. We should never doubt it. And as we study the Bible now in our day, we see where we're at in time, that we're right at the very end of the world. We're right at the very end. Although many people are laughingstock of our families and the world, and we're still out there going out with the signs and you go out there with the signs, people poke fun at it. Don't let that bother you a bit. We're living in a world that is under the judgment of God and we shouldn't forget that, that mankind is in rebellion against God's word. You're going to be looked upon with disdain. God tells us these things in the Bible, that these things will happen to his, his people. So we shouldn't be shocked when, when mankind poke fun of us and, you know, we still... We shouldn't let that stop us or be afraid of the faces of men or, or be embarrassed of the gospel or ashamed of it. We should never be because God, the people of this world, don't want to be reminded that there is a God, uh, there is a God in heaven. You know, he, he loves his sin and he thinks he's wiser than God. But, you know, that day is coming where where God will, you know, will do what he says but I remember God has not abandoned us he can't ab I abandon his people because he tells us he will never leave us or forsake us there was a there was a prophet in the Bible who had felt abandoned for, for a moment and we know who he is let's turn over to First um, Kings he felt he was all alone when things were going on in Israel and and he wasn't. So let's start to read it. You will remember. In First Kings chapter nineteen, First Kings chapter nineteen. Remember Elijah, the prophet. He thought he was alone too. That God has abandoned him. But God didn't. In verse um, First Kings nineteen, verse thirteen. And it was so was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave and behold there came a voice unto him and said what doest thou here Elijah and he said I have been very jealous for Jehovah God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword and I even I alone am left and they seek my life to take it. He thought he was alone too. What a situation he was in. But when you go down to verse 17, he says, And it came to pass that, it came to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet have I left 7,000 in Israel, all the knees, which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed them. Unbeknownst to Elijah, there were 7,000 people there who had not bowed the knee to Baal. We shouldn't feel abandoned in any way because God has, He can't forsake His people. God tells us in the Bible, He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us always, even unto the end of the world. So when you feel alone, let's go back and read these Bibles. Many people felt abandoned after May 21, but we shouldn't feel that way. You go back to the Bible, as many did, and start searching it out. And by God's mercy and His grace, He has given us more information. 
pointing to October 7th. And we take great hope in that, that that is the day when the Lord Jesus will complete his salvation with the salvation of our bodies, because that's the only thing that's left, is our bodies to be, to be, uh, get our new resurrected bodies. And even if anyone wants to die before that day, nothing will separate us from the love of God. Uh, let's turn to the, the, the companion passage of this over in Romans 11. In Romans 11, remember that passage? In Romans 11, is a almost identical quotation from, from 1 Kings. In verse 11, verse, Romans 11, verse 1, I say then, Hath God cast away his people? Of course not. And God should dead. For I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Hath, hath, God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. And we were foreknew when God saved us from the foundation of the world. He can't forsake us. He can't, he can't do that. Because, you know, he has paid for our sins and, and so forth. So we, we, he can't, he can't do that. So we, we look at, uh, go down to verse, um, three of Romans 11. And when God was speaking, let's just read verse two. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What, ye not, that, what the scripture said of Isaiah, Elias. Now he maketh intercession to God against Israel saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars. And I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. God has an elect people in this world. They be few, but he has his people all over the world. It's a remnant chosen by grace. And just like the 7,000 people in Elijah's day who had not bowed to knee the bell, God has his people in this world. And how, what, what, how wonderful it is. Let's turn to another scripture in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, where God says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men can do unto me. This is the word of God where he says, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Came from the infinite mind of God, the one who created these things, the, the, all we see. He says, do we trust him at his word? He says he will never leave us nor forsake us. Never. No matter what situation we are, we are in life, no matter what, in your most darkest hour, God says He will never leave us nor forsake us. And that is absolutely true. And here's another passage. Remember the command He gave His disciples when He was about to be caught up back to heaven in Matthew 28? In Matthew 28. And there's so many scriptures in the Bible and God tells us uh, in verse 16 of Matthew 28 God says then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee in the mountain where Jesus had appointed 
And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Yeah, you say, wow, they've been with him all this time. And these were all the 11 disciples that were truly saved. And yet, God says, but some doubted. Yeah. Many people after May 21 probably had doubted, is this really so? But as we study the Bible, God gives you assurance that we're on the right track. But here the disciples, some doubted. Is this, you know, you know, they're human beings too. You know, they doubted. And, and but Jesus knew they, they doubted, they doubted him. But he didn't address it. He just went on to the next person and says, Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He's, he's, then he's going to answer their question. Although he knows the ones who are doubting. He says, Go ye therefore, he gives them command, during the church age, or the, you know, so Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And he says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So that should take away all the doubt from the disciples' mind that Christ says he's with you always, even unto the end of the world. And here we are right now, right up against the very end of the world. Is he with us? Of course he is. Because he promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. Because you have to remember now that God's, the Bible is absolutely true and trustworthy. It is the word of God. So whatever he says, God will do it. He'll, he's not going to change his mind or go back on his word. He can't do it. When he is, he has wrote wrote the Bible for us, and this is absolutely true. The Bible is God's word, and we're living in a day where, you know, we're right up against the end of the world, and many people have doubted the information uh, uh, about the end of the world and the church age. But it came from the Bible, God's word. You've checked it out. It's faithful to God's word as the Bereans did, and so it is. The Bible is absolutely true and trustworthy, and we should never, never, never doubt the Bible or a true teaching from the Word of God. We should always check it out, and if we see it's bound to be faithful, it is God's Word, the Bible. Okay, let's stop here and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that the Bible is absolutely true, trustworthy. The Bible is the Word of God, and what better book to read? There is no book in the Bible, in the world, that could hold a candle to God's Word, the Bible. The Bible is, came from God, which, who has an infinite mind, and He knows the end from the beginning. He declared things that are right. And your people will trust the Bible, because you have given them a new heart, you have saved them, and you have given them the faith to trust you, and all the work of salvation is 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 by you and and oh lord we thy people will trust the bible no matter what and oh lord as we continue to study your word may it be oh lord that you may continue to teach us from your word in this last hour in which we're living and oh lord we we look with great anticipation to that day that that day will be the day when we will be with you in a new heaven and new earth and oh Lord, we look for many of your people who's getting tired and and oh Lord we see sin everywhere and we're like lot lit living in, in Sodom and Gomorrah and it grieved the hearts of your people.
to see the sinful world that we're living in. But we know, Lord, that you are in control and all things are working according to your will. Lord, we ask that you will be with us the remainder of this day. We pray for Chris as he come forth with your word and the question and answer. And we pray, Lord, as we fellowship with each other, that our conversations will be on spiritual things. And, oh, Lord, we pray for our families. And we pray for each and every of us who are here. And we pray for who are listening over the, over the Internet and over the phone. Oh, Lord, once again, we want to pray for those who are away on the trip, the track trip. We ask, Lord, that you will be with them, watch over them. And as they feed sheep, that they may come across some of your sheep. We pray that you will give them physical strength as they go. And, and traveling mercies for, for them and for us. We thank you, Lord, for thy mercies. In Jesus' name, amen.